HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of The Speakeasy is brought to you by the Pathfinder Hemp and Root. Bitter, bold, nothing but delicious, and surprisingly, non-alcoholic. Drink it neat, over ice, or even go grab a bottle of peated whiskey and mix them together. You will not be disappointed. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Southern Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Happy New Year's, guys. Happy, Happy New Year, indeed. Happy fucking New Year, everybody. We are Happy back. 11th year. It's a bit a while. Years, guys. It's going to keep on being a while. Hell yeah, 11. Yeah, my favorite number. It's a prime number. It matches. <laughs> it's like it's it's like a Gemini. Uh, it's, it's two that look the same. Like, yeah, twins. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, makes sense. Creepy, creepy, but I get it. Did you know that... Uh, <laughs> Eleven, eleven, and one, eleven are both um, National Corduroy Day because the numbers look like corduroy. <laughs> there's like, but there's like, apparently, there's two of them. Anyway, so you get you get two corduroy days. Yeah, isn't eleven, eleven also Veterans Day? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> Look, we've only got so many days. There's going to be some overlap. That's right. That's true. We're going to have to double up. People are going to have to share at some point. Right. Indeed. Well, guys, I, I bummed to miss you. I was in New York a couple weekends ago. Uh, yeah, man. On Grand Army, doing the thing. Uh, I didn't really leave the neighborhood of downtown Brooklyn and Carroll Gardens and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I know you guys are busy, too. So, yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was like, uh, you know, with Omicron and everything, people were kind of like not really poking their heads out too much. But I got to see a lot of good buddies. Got to see Tiki Adam Colsar. Got to see Brad yeah. Thomas Parsons. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike from Travel Bar. Uh like it's it was really great it was great to see all the people in the neighborhood so next time i'll plus, make sure that i, I get plus to, to catch up with your team and and you know you hadn't gotten to come well, see that was them a, in yeah that was the most two years part. right yeah and, you know the, the team at grand army just fucking they just kill it it's amazing and uh got to raid the uh the merch <laughs> all of our cat merch uh nice. for a current menu it's great uh just doing amazing stuff over there yeah, like, what do you guys, uh, like, oh, you know what, uh, I, I know that, like, uh, your your upstairs bars changes themes, like, every other day, what, like, what's going on with it now, is it still L'Enfer? <laughs> it is still Café uh, de L'Enfer, um, we had thought that it was going to be a three-month pop-up, uh, but it is doing quite well, so we're going to carry on, and in fact, we've got some pretty big plans for it in the future, nice. um, we are uh, 
going to overhaul the place into just the craziest over-the-top Halloween bar we can come October. Um, so that's one of the big things we're doing up there. But but people seem to really like it. So we're, we're going to keep marching forward with absinthe and champagne and a gothy, melted candle, lots of, you know, crushed velvet fabric environment. Well, you know what you can do with this if it if it takes off, right? And just keep in mind, just before I say this, I get ten percent of this idea because I thought of it first. Uh, Nightmare on Sixth Street. Well, that's that's the idea. That's the <laughs> just idea. saying. We've already just got another saying. bar. We've already got another bar that's interested in doing it with us across the country. Oh yeah, shh, shh, shh. come on, guy. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's a given, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he's going to retire like in two years. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's the plan. That's the plan. You know, it was. It was awesome being back in New York because, like, yeah, as you mentioned, it had been almost two years. And, you know, it's funny how, you know, things in New York, they change, but they also kind of don't. And, you know, it was it was interesting being there. Like, the night that we flew in on a red eye, and that night it just happened to, like, snow like crazy. So, landing in New York, uh, I think I think it might have been the first real snow of the season, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And was. Uh, so, it was really, it was, actually, it was, a lot of people would be, like, all bummed out about that. Like, oh, there's inclement weather and like probably going to miss my flight or things are going to be, be delayed. But, you know, for me, I was like, all right, sweet. It's fucking New York. <laughs> you know, like it was fun right. slipping you, around in the snow. Sure. You got to see a little bit of like that quietness that snow brings plus the quietness that Omicron brought. Um, you know, I think it was probably a pretty peaceful time for you to be out here and, and, and again, reconnect with your team. Very important. Mm-hmm. And, and your homies in the neighborhood. Very cool as well. I'm bummed that I missed you, of course, but you were here for such a short time. I totally understand how much shit you probably had to get done while you were here. Yeah, it was a lot. And, you know, we were only there for two days. So next right. time we'll be a much longer stay. Yeah, hell yeah. But what else is going on in New York, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I, man, I, I spent a lot of time down in DC in December since the last time I talked to you guys. And, um, I, I had a, an interesting experience that kind of reflected something I've been hearing a lot of from, you know, the folks that are, that are back behind the bar and, uh, didn't, you know, go into semi-retirement the way I did like a lazy bum. But I was talking to, uh, my sister over Christmas, who's a veterinarian, you know, one of those medical doctors that treats more than one species. And she was saying that she and everyone that she's talked to in her profession have noticed that clients are getting ruder, like they're more demanding. There's, you know, a lot more uh, just rudeness and entitlement. Uh, Mansplaining has apparently gone through the roof. And it's interesting because I had this moment where I was like, wow, the exact same thing is happening to all of my friends who are behind the bar. And I think if you look at the spectrum of like perceived expertise by society as a whole, like bartenders and medical doctors are pretty far on like the ends of that spectrum. So you have to imagine that everyone in the middle is also kind of being affected by this. So I just say this to anyone that's listening. If you're thinking that people are getting a little bit snippier and possibly a little bit worse, it's apparently not just your imagination. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> we've all just been in this for so long that we're just like, you know, the 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 jar that we're in has been shaken so much that people are, in fact, getting just a little bit more demanding. So for what it's worth, it's not all in your head. Wow. Yeah, that's unfortunate to hear, but I think you're 100% right. Um, it's yeah. still out there. 
uh, well, I think it's, you know, people sitting around, they're bored, they got plenty of time on their hands still, and so they're just Googling around and becoming experts in every field, and it's it's just not what's going on. Uh, the only thing that I kind of did since uh, the holidays that, that got sort of missed by um, by by the show, uh, I released a bitters. I don't know if you guys even saw it. Oh, yeah. Saw oh, that. yeah, man. Um, I'm, on this, a, I'm on the social media app called Instagram. I saw it on there. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the ones <laughs> I use. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, they're gone. So, you know, sorry for the listener. Um, I made a, a limited run, 500 bottles. Uh, it's called driftwood. Uh, and it, uh, the flavor profile is cinnamon and grapefruit, which is a classic, uh, tiki flavor profile, you know, Don's mix cinnamon syrup and grapefruit juice. But I wanted to bring that sort of flavor into the bitter world and, uh, sold them all in a matter of, um, 17 days, uh, pretty, pretty tremendous run. And uh, they're all shipped out and gone, and I'm getting tons of fantastic feedback. And of course, this is a beta, right? I did a 500 release. That doesn't mean it's uh, gone forever. Um, I'm going to bring it back, but I'm also uh, now going to launch um, two a year for the next two years. And at the end of that, I will hope to have four bidders that I can create a start a, start a line with. The next one coming, I'm taking votes. Is either going to be cucumber with basil or cucumber with ginger? So, Ooh. nice. So we'll do like kind of a fall winter and then a spring summer situation each year. I mean, I, I vote I vote ginger. I love me some ginger. Yeah, cucumber ginger sounds like a great thing. Could, sounds like it'd be really delightful in a daiquiri. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to think about the usage as well. Uh, I don't want to make a you know ideal in the world of of all these very specific bitters, and I love it because I have a place that can um, that can burn through them because we have such volume of of guests. Um, but I do look at some of them and think, what would I do with this if it was at my house? It's so singular. You know, it's only got kind of maybe one or two uses with these ones that are so specific. So I want to make a, I try and think about the broad variety of usage. When I'm putting well, I mean, we're in the, we're in the, the dry months of the year. You know, I know a lot of folks do dry January. I'm actually uh, switching things up and doing dry February this year because I've never done it before. And if it sucks, it's the year's shortest month. So, you know, three days less suffering for me, but <laughs> I would imagine that's some, good, that's some good planning right there. Oh yeah, man. But yeah, I would imagine, uh, you know, like cucumber, ginger bitters and a little bit of soda water, you know, it's like, it's vegetal, it's crisp, it's refreshing. Like, I feel like that could make like, you know, pretty good non-alk soda, maybe kind of scratch the itch a little bit. If anybody's, uh, taking some time on the wagon, either permanently or just, just trying it out, you know? Yeah. And we have to hope that those folks are willing to at least have bitters, which are alcoholic, but, uh, you know, but ABV on your bitters and soda is going to be far less than the threshold of half a percent that the government sees as non-alcoholic. Um, speaking of non-alcoholics, that's a good segue, Greg. Way to go. Uh, who <laughs> we got in the studio today? Uh, we've got Craig Ravinsky from The Pathfinder, the self-described Canadian bon vivant behind a non-alcoholic Amaro brand. So, Craig, wait, wait, dude. Non-alcoholic thanks. Amaro? <laughs> who, who do we know that likes that sort of thing? Hmm. We're about <laughs> to find out. Uh, Craig, thanks for being with us, buddy. Of course. Thanks for having me. So you packed up your bags and moved to New York City to, to push this stuff that you're making. Let's uh, let's not start there. Let's start just a little bit before. What what What's the genesis of this notion and this idea? So I guess the, yeah, the genesis kind of came from basically what does the future of the bar look like? Where, where are things going? How are things evolving? And the non-elk scene is blowing up right now. <clears throat> but the non-elk scene a couple of years ago, just kind of getting started. And for most of the products on the market, they felt like they were they were trying to replicate something else. And they, um, 
And they kind of were just coming out as, as watered down versions of what they were trying to replicate. And we saw this as an opportunity to create something that was not alcoholic, but full of flavor, full of complexity, has a mouthfeel. And, and again, going back to what Greg was saying, but you know, the scratching of an itch with the flavor, like can scratch that itch of, of what it's, it's, you know, what it is. It's, it's an Amaro. It, it feels like one tastes like one. Um, and so we wanted, yeah, we really just wanted to, to pave that path of where the bar industry is, is moving and non-alc and cannabis were the two things. So we, we took hemp seed, fermented hemp seed and created a, a born of cannabis inspired by cannabis product. So I'm going to ask the question that all of our listeners are probably wondering <laughs> right now is, is there pot in this? Is there any THC or is it totally, totally devoid of any sort of mind altering substances of any kind? Totally devoid. There is no CBD, no THC. We have plans and ambitions to maybe put out a THC version at some point, which will not be for the bar. It would be, you know, a, a liquid THC consumable for home. Um, but the, the non-alcomaro has no THC, no CBD at all. Sweet. So for fit, fit for the completely and totally sober to drink. Indeed it is. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, talk a little bit you... about, talk, talk, well, go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. I think, I think we were going to ask the same question or maybe we weren't, I don't know, but I was going to say, talk a little bit about how you got like into the the bar in Amaro space in general, because you worked at a bar that I'm actually going to get to visit later on this year that I'm really excited in Seattle, uh, Barnacle. And I was wondering if that was, you know, where, where that fit in uh, your, your origin story that we're talking about now. Yeah, I think Barnacle um, became the, the culmination of all these things that I loved about the world of Amaro and Bitters. And it was it was um, not the pathway to, but um, I, I got super into Amaro, super into bitters. Um, I mean, I got super into just that whole world of esoteric spirits, I guess, uh, in, in, um, to say it all in one, one way. When I was touring with bands, I, I found these products through my, my travels and became just obsessed with wanting to know these stories. And I really loved, like, with Amaro in general, the, the tie to to the story of it you know it's like this isn't Amaro from this town with this history this this whole thing behind it and so I became very much tied into all of those things so then um yeah Amaro has just always kind of been a huge part of something I enjoy um so getting to work at Barnacle which I hope that you have a, a pleasant time when you go um was a, yeah just a, a dream come true in that sense of like not only now do I care about all these things but now I get to work in front of a in front of all of them and tell them to all, or, you know, show them to all these people in front of me, which I'm sure Sather can um, certainly speak on as well. Well, sure. So basically you're traveling around with bands and then you're going to bars and whatnot, and you're traveling by the glass to other lands where you're learning about these, exactly. these Amari that have, they do have a lot of story behind them. Um, what's the story behind Pathfinder? And I guess the, the, the question I was really trying to dig towards is, and then what's the flavor? Yeah. So, um, Story of, of Pathfinder was, yeah, again, going back to that thing about the cannabis, we, we were inspired by the American West, the golden age of cannabis, that uh, snake oil salesman elixir kind of vibe. You know, we wanted to create a bottle that would look like if a snake oil salesman showed up in town, like he would have had that in his pack. It, it, that apothecary feel and the, you know, that very much like the branding that fit that time, this, um, you know, when before cannabis was locked down by the government. Back when you could just buy something that made you feel really, really good out of the back of a truck, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
those were the days. The original know? tailgate yeah, party. You still can, by the way. You just have to, like, you know, you have to do a little <laughs> Googling to find out which trucks are the right trucks. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that, man. It makes me think of this whole, you know, I, I love that whole kind of, like, carny vibe. I love that kind of, like, sort of, um, you know, like, traveling salesman thing. And I like that you're sort of repurposing it for something, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking back in the age when like, you know, there was like still blow in Coca-Cola and we were like prescribing meth to women to like help them do chores <laughs> faster. And it's cool that you've sort of repurposed that for an era where we're actually being a little bit more conscientious about what we're putting in our bodies and thinking, you know what, totally. maybe I'm going to choose a beverage that's still tasty because I still want something tasty i want a little treat at the end of the day but i don't really feel like starting down a path toward maybe getting a little bit fucked up so i like that that's kind of a direction that you're taking this brand in man yeah we certainly don't want to like corner the non-off market i really again it's it's the choice do i really need a third shot of fernet while all my other friends are having fernet or can i have something else that is going to be complex going to be interesting and like i still get to join in that camaraderie that ritual yeah you know, I've said for a long time that I wish whiskey didn't have alcohol in it so I could just drink it all day. And it, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like, I don't really have any whiskey tattoos, but I've I got a big Fernet tattoo. So, I, you know, like for, for me, like this actually works out much better, you know, because I feel like I probably drink a lot more Amaro these days, uh, just kind of like sitting around sipping on it than I do whiskey. And, and I think that's just kind of a, I don't know, definitely a lifestyle change living in California now uh, from New York, but it's it really exciting to see this kind of stuff happening. And I love, uh, there's, there's something interesting about, like we talked about this last year on the show at one point where, you know, we're talking about vegan food and you know how you kind of touched on this where uh, actually before in the show, but like we're talking about how like a lot of vegan food, it's trying to like make plants, tastes like meat and it's like why are you trying to make it taste like meat when it can be its own thing and it's beautiful in its own way and just as nourishing right so it's kind of one of those things where there's in the space of non-alcoholic drinks it's like there's a lot of people making NA beverages that are trying to be like a gin or a whiskey but the cool thing about Amaro is that it doesn't necessarily have to like alcohol is not necessarily the main point of Amaro. You know, it's more of a medicinal tincture. So like when you think about even like Montenegro, I mean, there's like almost no alcohol in that, you know? So I know a lot of times at the bar, whenever we would have that, that shot and, you know, the safety meeting or whatever you want to call it, we would, you know, we would take shots of Montenegro because it was way lower in ABV. And we, it was kind of like the best option for keeping a clear head on the job. So, I don't know. There's something really interesting about this that I, I mean, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm, I'm really excited to because it's more about the complexity and flavor than it is about the fogginess and kind of like getting fucked up, as you said, you know? Right. Um, so well, we got, we definitely got to get some in your hands so you can try it. Yeah. I also, I, I you know, I've also been kind of like dabbling in like these like CBD sodas and things like that that are out on the market just to see what they're about. So I like that you're doing kind of both of them <laughs> at the same time. It's you've kind of cornered two markets in a way. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look at where, you know, like younger generations don't drink the same way that that we did, you know, like they're clearly more into 
marijuana or or you know whatever other substances cbd sodas and all those things are are flying off the shelf to the other generation too it's there's there's clearly a draw in in that in that realm so yeah it's i think for us being able to combine like we're all the people behind this product we're all we're all alcohol people i you know we we all have either worked in bars or worked for brands we're and and drink a lot you know and i think for me it, it was that kind of same idea like i would have low abv shots at the bar and now like i can mix this 50 50 with something else have a low abv shot or just choose to drink this on its own because you know it's about the choice we all sat at home during the pandemic and i don't know about you guys but i definitely like my drinking went up as i just sat sulking at home because i didn't have a bar to go to because we were closed and i'm sure that that's like you know has a lot to do with the huge boom in the NA scene right now. It's just a lot of people sat at home and realized, holy shit, I shouldn't drink this much. <laughs> and yeah. and now we we get to come around and like, you know, there is a choice. There's other things that you can have that can still scratch an itch, still be complex, still be interesting, still be all those things. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to drink. It just means like maybe this Wednesday night, I'm not going to drink. I will have something else and then, you know, have a beer tomorrow or whatever it is. Yeah, I definitely, my, my alcohol intake went way up during the beginning stages of COVID, but also, and you'll appreciate this, my online guitar shopping went through the roof. Uh, and I think they, <laughs> I think they're hand in hand. And I mean, I still got those guitars now, but, uh, you know, I kind of like tap the brakes on the other part of it. Yeah. With that dove, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, this seems like a good spot to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and keep talking to Craig Ravinsky and answer the big question on the table. What does Pathfinder taste like? Uh, so stay with us, guys. We'll be right back. Craig, something so profound and captivating happened in your life that you decided to change everything and move to New York City to sell it. Talk to me a little bit about the Pathfinder. So as a fan of Amaro over the last number of years working behind bars, to be given something that was just as complex, just as interesting, insanely tasty, and contained no alcohol, and be kind of inspired by this whole realm of the golden age of cannabis, it just fit immediately with me. And I knew that as soon as I had the opportunity to be able to do something with it that I would. So now I'm here in New York, bothering you every other day at your bar about it, trying to get into as many hands as I can and uh, destroy all the bad vibes. Yeah, the thing that's craziest to me is that it's non-alcoholic. It's delicious stuff. Uh, it meets all the criteria for being an Amaro, but without the alcohol. Now, I've been selling Amari for over 11 years now, and it's a difficult category to convince people on in the first place. Now you've now created one without alcohol in it. Don't you think that's crazy? I think it's crazy, but it's so crazy it just might work. So crazy it just might work. Let's get out there and try the Pathfinder, everybody. May the trails you blaze be fervently delicious with Pathfinder. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. In the studio today, we have our buddy Craig from the Pathfinder, and we were talking about kind of the origin story before the break. I, I, I mean, I don't have it in front of me. I'm out in California, so I know that you guys are all in New York and you've had it. Why don't you tell me, tell me what this tastes like? What's the experience like? Yeah. So we, like I said, we are taking hemp seed. We're fermenting hemp seed. We are distilling the hemp seed in a copper pot distillation. After that, we are adding in wormwood, angelica root, ginger, sage, juniper, saffron, orange peel. And then kind of the base botanical to me, the, the main flavor compound I'm getting is that earthy, nice hemp with 
hand-picked, hand-harvested Douglas fir from right from the Pacific Northwest. Um, you're getting that nice, like kind of, to me, it's kind of, if you're, if you're into Amaro, it's like Ramazadi and Sfumato had a baby. You get these nice, Ooh. like earthy, rich, light, smoky tones coming from the Douglas fir, but it's not like Sfumato smoke bomb, but it's also not that kind of like quangly sweet Ramazadi finish. You have like this nice sweet start with that nice kind of like fruitier tones that pop up. And then those earthy notes just completely dry it out going into that like longer, bitter lingering finish and like the douglas fir and the hemp kind of like kind of lead me to believe it's somewhat like it sounds like somewhat alpine in a way yeah i mean yeah i would say it has alpine tomorrow influences for sure yeah absolutely the way that you just described it is is pretty spot on the sort of blend of sfumato which is uh you know earthy and piney and pretty smoky along with uh, Rimitzati, which I've always described as sort of the Dr. Pepper of the Amari world. You know, it's got a lot of like dried fruit situation happening. Um, that's a pretty spot on description. Um, and I, I can agree with it because I've had it uh, several times with you now. <laughs> um, but you, you threw me for a loop there at the very beginning when you said, which is going to maybe throw our listeners for a loop. This is not alcoholic, but you said fermented, you said distilled. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So we believe that alcohol is a way to, carry flavor and you can i mean even you look at a lot of the non-alc spirits on the market they are adding in that 0.05 percent alcohol to stabilize their product or to give that just enough of a backbone to get those flavors to, to pop out um so we are distilling we are fermenting and then we are using a, a all natural no chemical additive process to remove all forms of alcohol Go again, going down to that zero point zero five percent, the same amount you would find in a banana. There's alcohol in bananas. That's bananas. yeah. That was There's my question too. Bananas. Oh, and orange juice I had, too. I had two for <laughs> breakfast today, and I feel great. So that's yeah. probably what did it. <laughs> that's probably what did it. Yeah. And orange juice too. Have a great breakfast. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's pretty all orange juice that you buy on the shelves has has some alcohol in it. Well, that's pretty fascinating. So what you're doing basically is you're using the methodologies of fermenting and distillation to create a solvent that can more uh, efficiently extract the flavors, right? Cause we all know from seventh grade science class that water is the universal solvent, but it is a very weak one. We know that alcohol is a much better one. So you make the thing alcoholic at first to get those flavors. And then you, I have no idea the process of de-alcoholizing something, but you, you take it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we are, making it in the same way you would make any other Amaro. So that extraction process, we're also then at that point adding in uh, other distillates and tinctures and, and uh, a couple of oils as well to get, and sugar, obviously being that it is an Amaro um, to give that body, that complexity and, you know, just creating this perfectly complex, um, interesting juice. That's pretty That's fascinating. Awesome, man. You, you, I have you, to, Oh, go ahead, Greg. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, I have to ask the, the conservationist question. Like, what, what happens with the alcohol you take out? Are you, like, <laughs> are you using it to make, like, hand sanitizer or just, like, keeping it in a fun little bottle in the back office? Like, what, what, do you, what happens <laughs> with that? I keep asking if I can actually just try what the alcohol version tastes like because that, to me, is interesting and has still not happened. But um, the uh, facility that we uh, manufacture at, they, they are using um, – the excess for another project as far as i know but that is not something i'm super privy to all right i, I mean that'd be next that could be kind of episode interesting. You, know, you have <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. next episode <laughs> a field trip um yeah you mentioned that it has sugar in it as all amari are sweetened we all know that right um 
is it just straight sugar? You know, Mari can use any sweetener that, that they like. Is it, are you just using standard cane sugar? We are using, yeah, just standard cane sugar. It's uh, eight, eight grams per um, per serving. So, Right. No, per, it's per, not very sweet. I wouldn't call it sweet at all. No. I just, you know, I was curious if it was beet sugar or molasses, what have you. Uh, so yeah. just regular sugar. That's pretty cool. Just regular sugar. Um, and what successes are you finding out there so far? I mean, New York has been a, a, a tough cookie to crack. Um, Seattle was, was very easy. I mean, number one, I already had a lot of connections, but, um, you know, the non-alk scene is actually way smaller in New York than I anticipated it being, um, which I, I think is, I mean, it's due to a number of factors. One being that uh, liquor stores, it is illegal for them to sell something that is non-alk. And so a lot of your distributors don't actually want to touch non-alk, uh, which quite frankly, I'm surprised that Diageo and all of its money with owning Seedlip hasn't tried to change that. But <laughs> I mean, they probably are. Um, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're working on it, surely. Um, surely we are. But yeah, I mean, all right, we... We have DTC, direct-to-consumer shipping, right off our website that um, we've shipped bottles all across America. We have tons of um, people wanting to ship to, up to Canada, and we're working on that as well, being Canadian. Obviously, that's important to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're in about, uh, last I looked, we're in about 70 accounts now in Seattle on-prem accounts that are that are pouring us. We're on a handful of menus. Um but even if you look at just menus in Seattle, and I'm sure that this is the same in, in California um, for you, Damon, that lots of places just have non-alc menus. Like they have things already set. And when the non-alc menus that I see up here, it's it's that traditional NA menu that we've seen for decades now. It's Coke, Sprite, lemonade, right. <laughs> orange juice, you know, like where um, I feel like the, the non-alc scene in Seattle uh, to me, it's just been way more robust. So it was an immediate latch on. People immediately got it. Um, we got bartenders who are using it in non-alc cocktails, or we got people who are even just it's on their menu in a low ABV, creating a low ABV cocktail with with actual spirit, um, with with um, you know true alcohol. Um, well, I'm going to do a big reveal to 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 you right here on the show um, because of you and the conversations that you and I have had over the past couple of weeks since you moved to New York City, and because of the yes, visible uh, rise in NA and low ABV cocktails uh, all over the country, and I, I would assume world. I'm uh, I'm not one to just stand idly by and, and let it go away. I'm going to open up an entirely non-alcoholic bar. No, not doing that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to, but what I am doing for my entire company, which is now, you know, 10 locations and growing, um, I'm going to incorporate no and low ABV cocktails onto my menu, but I'm not going to segregate them into their own category on the menu. They will be interlaced and interlocked with all the other drinks. And what I'm going to do is put the ABV of every drink on the menu itself. So you can choose your drink by its flavor profile, not by the fact that it's in a separate list. Uh, and then you can see if you want to have that drink based on its ABV. That's great. Well, that is awesome. Just like you have yeah. when you go to the, you know, like nice beer bars, they always have their ABV on there. So I'm just going to mm -hmm. put the ABV next to every cocktail. And that way I don't have to have a separate list for low and no. It'll just be incorporated into yeah. the list where it should fall, as you know, based on the, the progression of the list uh, and its flavor. And it'll just have its ABV listed right there. And, and my guests don't have to feel like – I feel like this conversation that we keep having about how the folks who don't want to drink tonight for whatever reason, uh, they get they get literally segregated. It's a, it's a separate list. It's a separate bit. And it's shorter and it's not as dynamic. I want it to fit right into my menu and it'll just have its ABV listed. And how easy is it for me to add alcohol to a non-alcoholic drink? I think it's very easy. Uh, and I'll be happy to do that. 
Uh, and then the, the reverse is a little bit harder, but we'll try and build the menu in, in a way that we can do that too. Uh, so we can say, if you, yeah. if you see a drink that sounds like you'd like it, can we can we reduce its ABV? Uh, and do we have a standard for doing that? And we'll have that in the back of the house set up so that we can do that to, to most of them. You know, you can't do it to like an old fashioned or a Negroni, but um, well, maybe you can with things like Pathfinder hitting the market. So I'm, I'm cool. just really starting out on this uh, project. Um, Again, a little bit because of you, a little bit because of Jeffrey Morgenthaler, who just posted up uh, a bit about ABV on his uh, um, blog, um, and and just the preponderance, man, it is incredible how fast they're coming at us. Yeah, this is uh, Morgenthaler inspired. Um, so we hired um, Tom Johnson, who used to bartend here in New York. He bartended extra fancy in Brooklyn. Tojo, um, listen, uh, off the air, we were we were talking about how Damon recently. Uh, broke some ribs. Tojo cracked one of my ribs when he hugged me so hard once. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard this story. <laughs> anyway, Tom Johnson, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Tojo is uh, our, I mean, Seattle brand ambassador uh, with a bigger role to come as, as the brand expands. Um, but he posted this thing that Jeffrey Morgenthaler had posted. And the, the major thing that people kept bringing up in like an argument for why listing ABV on the menu is a horrible idea is people were like, well, you know, got those guys that always come in and they want to drink with the most amount of alcohol. You're just making it easy for them to like do that. Well, why not? I'm like, yeah, but that's only like, <laughs> how many people is that in like your class? Also, why not make that's it not easy for that guy? <laughs> yeah. Now you don't have to have that conversation. <laughs> Douchebag's going to get what he wants and like you get to move on. Like, yep. Strong Island, yeah. bro. Strong Island. <laughs> yeah, the 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 beer bar comparison is what always ice. made that an interesting conversation to me. Is like beer bars have been doing that for how long? Having ABV listed on their menu, and it's it's never been a thing. So why can't oh, we as cocktail bars my be, do that? My too? best friend Todd, uh, uh, who now is doing quite well for himself, but when we lived together years ago, and we were just idiots in New York that were broke, we would go to. Um, Barcade, and he's very quick with math, and he would look at the entire board and see the ABV and the size of the glass and the price, and he would pick based on his economy and willing willingness to get as drunk <laughs> as he could. <laughs> so there's always those guys out there, uh, and that's fine. Oh, yeah, and that's totally. fine. Make it easy on them. Yeah, I don't think I, don't, I think that's a, a pretty weak argument against this notion. <laughs> totally, but it's amazing that it's so weak, and yet people were fighting like that was the main point. They just like kept bringing it up. And I was like. Yeah, fascinating. Damon, would you consider something like this at uh, the Grand Army? What, the ABV? Yeah. Or the Pathfinder? I mean, I would both. Do both. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was thinking, would you, would you consider putting ABV on next to every drink? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's been something I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while. I mean, we do have a low and no section, but I, I, yeah, I don't, it's kind of like a barnacle to the rest, you know, and it just kind of, it's like lingering over there. And the thing is, we always have very thoughtful non and like no and low cocktails but it would be nice to just kind of throw them in the mix i, I think that's a great idea well and, as you know thank you as you know because uh, i always I, I was a chef for a long time i always kind of compare things back to food and like you don't put you don't have your menu even at i don't know fucking peter luger's you don't have all the steaks and then a side section that says here's vegetarian you know it's just mixed in there you know right so I don't know, and it's mixed in where it should land appropriately for the progression of the menu. I think that's my goal. And I think that it's been on my mind for a while. I know um, you said you worked uh, at Barnacle, where now Lindsay Madison, who used to work at Mori Margo, worked. We talked about this years ago. I recall talking about like an, at a bar that only serves alcoholic drinks because we have nothing non-alcoholic. We were going to we um, 
put the ABV of our cocktails on the menu years ago. We just never got around to it. So I think it's, I think it's time. Yeah. yeah. I love it. You know, sometimes you have to percolate on these ideas for a while. So here it is. Yeah. I've been thinking oh. about getting my hair cut for years. Almost <laughs> cut your hair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was literally at, at uh, an all management meeting uh, two days ago and I announced that I was going to do this. And the response was all management meeting for my company. Um, and the response was overwhelmingly positive. They were excited to know that we were going to be focused on building delicious drinks and then um, calculating their ABV and having having them just listed right on the menu. I love it. Well, I think that's that's important, too, because we're having these conversations about, you know, <clears throat> how can we make the industry healthier, not just for us that are, you know, working in it or, you know, in my case, used to, but, you know, for, be, for, be back. oh yeah, I know <laughs> just when you think you're out. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, also for the folks that are going out and, and enjoying bars because they're not just places where you go and like, you know, you pound schlitz until you can't see straight anymore. There are places that you could go out and enjoy the, the, the there's so many things about bars and sitting down at a bar that are are not related to getting slightly or very inebriated at all you know and it's great that we're in a place now where we're acknowledging that and finding ways that people can focus on all of the other aspects of our industry that don't involve mild to moderate to severe intoxication Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm fully on board with what you're saying. And because what we have here is, is a culture now, right? It's, we've cultivated it over, over, you know, long, long time, but certainly in the past 20 plus years, the cocktail revolution or whatever we constantly call it is also cultivated a culture uh, of, of being in, in just in the environment. And, you know, frankly, the show is an example of that. You, you know, you don't have to have a drink to, to listen to the show. You don't, we don't have to have, have to have a drink to be on the show, but we're still talking about the culture of what we do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. You can also have a drink while you're on the show. That's also <laughs> you can indeed also and, an enjoyable way to do it. You can indeed, and uh, you get the choice. I usually am, and the choice is what it really comes down to, right, Greg? So you said that the you found a little bit more speedy or visible success uh, out in Seattle than you have so far here in New York. That kind of shocks me. I just would assume it would be percentage game, and whatever the percentage of folks out there that were into it would be the same percentage here, uh, maybe just spread out over a larger audience. Um, where are you finding the greater success uh, in retail or in on premise? I, I think so, there's so also far. the huge part of that this long, that but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also the huge part of this that COVID is still real. It's January. Like, there's a lot of factors, not just the fact that like, like there's a lot of people that have certainly been interested. It's just you know, the, all the other factors about bringing it in right now are are making it a little difficult. But uh, New York does have the benefit of. Uh, Three that I know of, one being a chain, Poisson, completely non-alcoholic stores. That's all they sell is non-alc. And uh, we, are, we are in all of those now, um, fully stocked in, and in there. And so obviously that's been the, the biggest success is the fact that there is literally an industry for this here that due to those laws we were talking about earlier um, can exist. I mean, you're, I, you're not going to find many completely non-alcoholic liquor stores in other areas of the country because it's just easier to get them there. Um, sure. So that's certainly been the, the biggest thing. Do you, do you find that to be a, a, a hurdle or maybe is this, you know, a, a positive because you can't be in Astro Wine and Spirits, but you can also, you can be in Key Foods, Whole Foods. You can, have you targeted those opportunities or? 
Yeah, so we're looking at uh, Whole Foods on the nationwide distribution. Um, uh, we've been looking into that in Seattle, so that 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 will possibly come. Um, but not only can we be in places like Whole Foods, but I can literally be in like there's a um, a place in in Brooklyn called Smokyvale. They're a little store. You know, got a barber shop in the back, uh, denim repair shop, and I can be there because we're not elk. I can I can literally sell anywhere that wants to sell it. And so um, they have a bottle. They pour a little like taste. They pour pour little um, cups of whiskey normally for people while they're cutting their hair. And now they they have the dry January option. You're not drinking right now. Like we have this, or like maybe you're just not drinking right now during the day. And we they have been pouring Pathfinder instead. Um, but we'll yeah we'll <clears throat> um, we uh, we certainly can be like the world is wide. There's so many places that we can be that. Uh, a bottle of whiskey cannot. So, well, yeah. I mean, I picked it up at the general store to Mori Margo, so you're you're there as well. Yeah, indeed. Which is, I think, a which big, thank you for that. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I think is a big win for both of us. Well, you're the first one I picked up, yeah. and I don't know if you've been to the store recently, but uh, now I've picked up a bunch of non-alcoholic sodas and uh, the phone, yeah. the phony yeah. Negroni yeah. from Saint Agrestis, and you know, it's all in my retail store for people to pick up on their way out the door. So, yeah, I was I was in there last night. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, where people can find you, if people wanted to find you on the great worldwide web, where would they be able to to catch up with your exploits, Craig? So, if you want to catch up with exclusively me on Instagram, I am Craig the Pathfinder. Uh, our website is also just drinkthepathfinder.com. Nice. Um, is it in? Uh, do you have any retail locations in North, uh, like Northern or even California in general? Or- there is a. Uh, a place in um, in San Fran, uh, what's it called? It's uh, Ocean Shores Cafe uh, that is has us on their cafe menu, and they're also selling us by the bottle, um, but nowhere else currently. Okay, I'll go grab a bottle. To come. Okay, yeah. nice man. Yeah, I've been I've been in communication with Trick Dog and True Laurel as well, um, nice. putting us on many there, but um, yeah, haven't heard back for a little bit. So, well, let me know. I can help out. I would love to. Yeah, well, you let me know how I can help you get that guitar. We're speaking about in the break. We're going to talk about that after the show. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, that's awesome. Um, but cool. in the meantime, as you mentioned earlier in the show, if the if the listener just goes to drinkthepathfinder.com, you can deliver directly to them because, again, this is a grocery item. It's non-alcoholic. It can go across state lines, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah. We ship, ship direct to you in a nice little themed box and um, – yeah, and the I bottle can. looks amazing. You'll, uh, I'll post up on our Instagram uh, pictures of the bottle, et cetera, and and uh, all these links as well, so you can easily get to it. Sweet, Craig. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I can't wait to try it. It sounds awesome. It's right up my alley and uh, right up my path. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. got it. He still got it. Um, <laughs> still got so, it. Uh, yeah, everyone, go check out Pathfinder. Um, and uh, yeah. What a, what a great way to kick off our, our new year and new season. And, uh, especially in, you know, dry January. Um, I, I made it five days in a row and then I, uh, I broke my ribs and I needed to start drinking again. So, um, well, yeah, I'm really proud of myself for that anyway, but, uh, if I would have had Pathfinder around, I, I could have kept that going, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for being on the show today. Uh, guys, thanks for being here. Greg and Southern. Always, buddy. Um, Always. Great to be back to on be with back, Great to be and, here. And uh, everyone out there, check out the Pathfinder. And while you're at it, go to heritageradionetwork.org. Click on the beating heart to keep the station going. 
And until next time, everyone, cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having me. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. 